Matt Mosley, of course, with uh, Stephen Simcox. Kevin Longquist, Sikkim Sports, at Sikkim Sports. You can find him. Rivals does some really good work out there covering everything. Baylor, man loves a good Zoom session. I saw him on there today. Appeared to have some kind of uh, Minnesota Twins cap on, and the Twins will be involved in this postseason, unlike the Rangers. Kevin Longquist, uh, we welcome him back to the Matt Mosley Show. Kevin, this was a uh, an interesting um, start for the Baylor season. I think all in all, a very successful start. Were you? Uh, what were you thinking though when uh, Kansas went right down the field on that first uh, on that first possession? Were you thinking, uh oh, did that? Did it, did you have mo? Did you have a kind of a almost a flashback to early early Matt Rule? started that way sorry about that matt um i don't think you want your first season or your initial uh, possession of the game to go like that and obviously kansas was aided by a personal foul penalty which uh, helped them keep that possession going and then of course baylor kind of fizzled but then i think once they got that stop at midfield with about what was it about five and a half minutes to go in the quarter and then they took it down and scored and got it tied i think they all kind of relaxed and played the game that they were capable of and you know, in my opinion of it, I don't think Larry Fedora needed to show a lot on offense with this game because, let's face it, Kansas just doesn't have the talent to match up with Baylor uh, and hasn't for quite some time, as we've seen over the years of this series. And for all intents and purposes, when uh, Treston Ebner returned the first of his two kickoffs back for a touchdown, the first one obviously to open the second half, I think that was pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, think yeah, of it this way. Think of it this way, Matt. They only threw seven passes in the second half. Pulled everyone in the fourth quarter. Didn't throw a pass in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they 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 did sort of shut it down a little bit. Although the squirrel, the squirrel, there was a squirrel loose <laughs> on the field late in that game. Let me ask you something about Charlie. Did um, I just wanted? I didn't know if my eyes were lying to me, or I, I don't want to read too much into something. We we've heard people say Charlie's arms gotten stronger. Now, of course, like you said, it wasn't like a pass happy type game. I will mm-hmm. say there was something mm-hmm. kind of uh, tight. Take that, Kevin, if you need to. There was something uh, uh, tight about his, or, or tighter about his delivery, like his mechanics. I thought the mm-hmm. ball kind of was getting out of there pretty quickly, efficiently, and I thought he had some juice on the ball. Did you uh, did, did you uh, sense something similar? I thought that Charlie's ball was okay. Uh, I mean, there were a couple balls that, you know, obviously he overshot somebody. And, and you know, to be honest with you, I, I don't think he was really asked to do a lot. I mean, there were a couple of some underneath throws there uh, from the from the velocity. And I think the velocity was better. I, I just don't know if you can say I'm on a – Someone's trying to text me here, Matt, so bear with me, so I apologize for that. But I think the one thing to probably talk about here is I really want to know what Charlie's going to be and what this offense is going to be all about um, when they get to West Virginia on Saturday. I think that's really kind of the key here because I think they're going to have to open up up a little bit more on this. They didn't really have to take any big shots downfield on this, and I thought from the standpoint of – the way Charlie managed the game. I thought he managed the game fine. He managed it the way you were going to want him to do it. Now, of course, he got dinged mm-hmm. in the second quarter. And I think from that standpoint, everyone kind of held their breath. Maybe he got a little bit eh, jumpy and, and because of everything that we saw him go through last year, especially in the last two games against Oklahoma 
in Georgia. But once he was able to, once he were able to kind of get that bruise in his quad worked out, and that he could still, you know, run the offense to the degree that they needed him to, then I think everyone just kind of you know, was able to kind of get back into catching their breath. And so I, I was fine with the way Charlie played. I know some people have commented saying that like he hasn't improved, and I'm not going to go there. I, I don't think that's a fair assessment yet. For, for a couple of reasons. One, he's working with a new wide receiver crew. And then the other thing is, is that he's working with a new offense. And sure, Charlie can talk about the fact that this offense is more tailored to him at, because of what he did at Lake Travis and how this offense looks like that. But you still have to go do it in a game. And you still have to go against somebody that really wants to, if you will, take your head off and, and beat you as opposed to the you know, your teammates who are going to try and rush you, but you're wearing a red jersey, and so they're going to know to back off on you uh, when it gets a little bit too close. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree. And while I'm talking here, tell them you're on the Mosley show, Kevin. T- send them a text. <laughs> that, may be, that may be your daughter in Fayetteville needing a little more money or something. Or, you know, or somebody it might be is... the other one in Tuscaloosa needing some money, too. Oh, so that's I've got, right. I've got, yeah. I've got Sam Pittman and, uh, and uh, Nick Saban followers wherever that – uh, right now. Okay, yeah, that's uh, that's true. They're probably blowing you up for some of your Twitter stuff, some of the things <laughs> you, you've said on Twitter. Talking to Kevin Longquist, you can see him at Sikkim Sports. Kevin, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the defense. This was a um, this was an interesting group. Uh, some fairly inexperienced defensive linemen, and then uh, I, I thought at that star position, we talked about star position, talked about the jack position. Boy, Petrie, I, I wasn't totally ready to buy, oh, my gosh, Jalen Petrie's become this kind of great player for the Bears. What's all that about? Boy, I got to say, in, in game one, extremely, extremely active. He was all over the place, and you can kind of get a vision for, for why they've been bragging on him so much. What were your takeaways after seeing Petrie function in that uh, – in that star position? You know, the thing that struck me, Matt, the most was I thought I, I really loved the way that the angles that he took, especially that he was on a couple things where he was able to string some things wide, including, and I pointed out a couple things. I think I might have mentioned it to Dave this afternoon on his call was how he was able to string Puka Williams wide. And Puka is really the best offensive player on that team for Kansas. And so if you can take him away or limit him for a second, I, I think that really makes Kansas's offense even more pedestrian than it already is. And I think there were a couple times when, when Puka was trying to get to the outside where Jalen was able to get the right angle on him and trip him up or at least stand him up so he could get some help to knock him down. And I thought the, I thought the answer that Dave gave was pretty interesting. For one, he, he, thought, he said maybe he was coached on that. Maybe that's what Matt Rule and his staff had done with him you know, in the years leading up to when Dave and Ron Roberts arrived. And then the second thing he said was that uh, Jalen was instinctive about it. I also think, too, from the standpoint that, you know, using, you know, and one of the runs that I'm thinking of, he didn't use the sideline as the 12th defender on this, but I can see where I think that's going to be a real part of what the, this, this Baylor coaching staff is going to emphasize. Like saying, look, if you can get somebody pinned to the corner or to the sideline, Make that sideline your 12th defender. I mean, it's pretty much the same thing like in basketball, Matt, where if you get somebody pinned in the corner on a full-court press, 
there's two there's two guys on the defender, and then he's sitting in the corner where he can't get rid of the ball. And so that's like a third defender, if you will. And I think that's really what football coaches are starting to maybe stress a little bit more. But in particular, I think the way Dave uh, Aranda talked about it in his press conference uh, this afternoon. Yeah, I, I think all that is uh... – I, I find all that kind of fascinating, and uh, Kevin Longquist joining us from Sikkim Sports. Man does really good work and uh, has a great feel for these players, their backgrounds, because he's been following them for years uh, in recruiting. All right, um, now, I mean, this Ebner thing, <clears throat> that is uh, pretty remarkable. I think o- Oklahoma State probably could challenge the Bears for best running back duo, but I don't know if anybody else can. This uh, Love It in, in Treston, then you throw the squirrel in the mix, you got others. That was, uh, Kevin, I mean, I, I don't know what to compare that to. I, I was trying to think about some of Baylor's best return men ever, even going back to Dennis Gentry in the old days, Bruce Davis. Bruce had incredible spree, uh, speed, uh, track speed, but, I mean, have you – um, have you? I mean, that's that was pretty wild to to see a whole team not be able to use the angles they had on Treston Ebner. I mean, that was uh, that was about as impressive as anything I've seen in a while. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. And for those who didn't see, I mean, first uh, Baylor kickoff return for a touchdown period since Corey Coleman did a homecoming against Iowa State in 2013, and then obviously uh, Treston's the first man in Baylor history to have two kickoff returns for touchdowns. In a game, I, I, you know, the one thing that, uh, that I, and I've been a proponent of this because everyone says, well, you don't want to have your best skill guys in the back, you know, on returns for kickoffs or punts for fear that they're going to get hurt. I'm like, well, okay, if you, but that's the risk you take every time you walk out on the field between the white lines, whether you're going to play offense, defense, or special teams, there's a possibility you're going to get hurt. So what's the difference if you're going to get hurt on a return or if you're going to get hurt on non, non-contact when you're trying to turn uh, on a you're trying to cut on a slant route or whatever the ball is going in another direction you just turn up like it just happens it's a violent game people get hurt so my point is Matt, is that you've got to have your best guys out there in a position that'll give you the best possible chance to win and i felt the one thing that baylor special teams units have really lacked over the last several years is that explosiveness to really turn a game and you know obviously we had grayland arnold return the punt had the punt return against sfa last year but that was it. I mean, their, their return games, this is no disrespect to Matt Rule's teams, but really during the Rule era and really toward the end of the Bryles era, there just wasn't anything of a spark. And the one thing, and I kind of think about, I equate a, a kickoff return for a touchdown like the triple in baseball. It's the most exciting part of the game because it can turn. And you can just see when Treston's first return gave Baylor that 24-7 lead, it energized Baylor. It really deflated Kansas. And that's where I go back to the point where I said a few moments ago, that's where I thought this game was over. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I, I got to say, going to Morgantown with no fans, I mean, I there is no uh, – it, it, this has been a tough way to start his career as a coach, you know, having to go through all this and game cancel, cancellations. But now on the field, they've started – I mean, this – this has really played into their hands a little bit. Do you mm-hmm. sense that Baylor is undervalued right now for a team that went 11-3 and last year and, and almost won the conference and almost made the playoff and, and really has the majority of the offense back? 
Do you think I this think, team is being undervalued nationally and even in the Big 12? I think to an extent, yes. I mean, I picked them fourth in the preseason poll that back in July yeah, because I and, and the reasons I think why they're getting undervalued is because at the time, and this was before William Bradley King got all settled in, and of course Dylan Doyle got his waiver, which really changed that whole linebacker core situation for them. But the questions on defense were justifiable. At the time when the season ended, there were only two starters that were coming back on that side of the ball. And then on offense, you know, they lost, what was it, six guys. And, of course, Charlie coming back helps. But there were so many questions about the offensive line regarding this group. And so I think, I think we're going to know a lot more about this team in Morgantown. Of course, it's a place where they've never won. But as you said, the circumstances are so much different than what they've gone into in previous years. You know, they they had a close call with the West Virginian in 2016, of course, and then obviously in 18, it wasn't. It was kind of a nightmare. But uh, I think if they find a way to win this game up there, um, that's number one. They will have cleared a hurdle that they've never cleared. It's kind of like when they won at Oklahoma State a few years ago, and when they hadn't won there since like 1937. When you clear those thresholds, it just changes it. So I think if they find a way to pull this off, then they have the bye week before Oklahoma State comes to Waco on the 17th of October. I think that gives them a lot of momentum. The two things that we want to see here, I think, over the next couple of weeks, Matt, are one, once they get the entire offensive line back, the first-teamers like Jake Burton, Blake, Blake, Blake Bettier, Xavier Newman, on that front, and if that defensive line can mature a little bit more, I think that really can tell you exactly what these fronts are going to look like and what this team is going to look by look like uh, because of the fact that they because of the fact there's so many questions about those. I think the Big 12 let's let's call it for what it is kind of looks like a dog right now when Oklahoma blows a three touchdown lead against K State and then Texas has to scramble in Lubbock and win there, which has never been an easy place for Texas to play anyway, as we both know. But I think if but but they're going on the road to Norman, they're going on the road to Austin. Again, they're going on the road to uh, Iowa State, and of course they're going to Morgantown this weekend. If they find a way, and then they go to Lubbock, of course. If they find a way to go maybe three and two in those five games, then they're definitely going to be in the race because I think the conference winner or the con- the two teams playing for the conference championship on, on December nineteenth probably going to have two losses. Wow. Well, at least that, one of them is going to have two. That's like the old SWC. Everybody was 5-2. and two. They had a five-way tie, you remember, back in 1990. Oh, yeah. That was when I didn't have as much yeah. gray hair. <laughs> no, the hair still <laughs> looks good. Hair still looks fine. Khalif Muhammad in the Baylor Bears tied for first place that year. I'll never forget it. All right. Um, well, I appreciate it, Kevin. Do your thing, and uh, I will uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for being with us. Not a problem, Matt. Always good to be with you. Thanks for having me. There he goes. Kevin Longquist, Sikkim Sports.